When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alright, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Mikey, Lions beat writer for MLive. Joined as always by Ben Raven. Ben, it is December 21. The Lions are still in first place. They've been nowhere but this entire season. I, I haven't looked it up, but I, I'm pretty sure going to wire to wire in the division is something that's uh <laughs> unseen in this town. Certainly having a three-game lead in the division this late in the season, that's a it's a team record. Three games to go. Magic number is one. Um could punch their, their ticket to the playoffs this week, depending on what happens tonight on Thursday night football. Um but either way, they are one victory away from not only the postseason, but winning their first division title since 1993 and hosting the first ever playoff game in Ford Field history. How does it feel? <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I know. I'm very excited to be in Minnesota this weekend. The prospects of covering a division champion winning locker room was something I didn't really think was possible. I mean, because honestly, the first four years I spent on this beat, they had never been out of last place past Thanksgiving once. So, like, to have yeah. a season like this, not once. When you put it like that. <laughs> not once. Oh, crap. So, yeah. so it, it's a really special opportunity here. They know it. They're they're saying all the right things about it. Aiden Hutchinson gave into it a little bit more yesterday because he knows how special it is. He compared it to the Michigan streak he helped snap a couple of years ago. They hadn't won a Big Ten title in 20 years. And he's like, man, to have a chance to be a part of another one of those here, like, that's special, man. No doubt. We got a deep mailbag coming up this week. Some audio from none other than than CD Deuce, <laughs> who we talked to um, uh, this week in the locker room. It was a, a trip, as you can imagine. The, he's the biggest mouth in the league. I, I swear to God. Um, yeah. But Ben, you said something that um, it, it's interesting to me that, like, like you just said, you you've been around for a long time at this point, and you hadn't been around a team, a Lions team, that had been anywhere but last place after Thanksgiving. There's, I mean, the the losing goes so deep with this team, and when I think about it from the the player perspective, mm-hmm. that locker room, that roster is filled with guys who are in the same boat, and that's like a really interesting dynamic to me, as you know the. The pressure goes up, the stakes go up down the stretch. How, like, how does this team react? It's a it's a big unknown. Some of these guys, Jared Goff in particular, uh, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson as well. Um, some of these guys have been around winning teams. CJ Gardner Johnson's in year five yeah. in the league, and he's never not won <laughs> division title. So there's guys for them to lean on. But when you think about the the foundation of this team guys like frank rag now you know guys like uh, you know you mentioned panay sewell Amon ross st brown i mean the lee mcneil on the defense like like there, there's so many guys on this team important players on this team that know nothing but last place football um and now they are in some uncharted territory with three weeks to go the stakes rising it's going to be really interesting to see how this um how this team reacts 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Like you said, I think they do have experience at all the right spots, like having a quarterback who's starting a Super Bowl game still in the prime of his career. Like, that's obviously a big get. But, like, even the coaching staff, like this, I mean, yeah, Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn, success in New Orleans, but Ben Johnson's been in Detroit for a while. They've never been in these positions of power when, like, enjoying this amount of success. So it's going to be very interesting, like, not every one of these guys had sustained college success either. So it's like, this is, this is new. This is very fascinating. And then, I mean, like we said last week, it's one of the five youngest rosters in football. And it's like, yeah. And those that have been here, it's been nothing but last place football. Like they've never played meaningful December football games. So they're learning as they go. And that could be good in some scenarios that could be challenging in others. And we'll see this weekend against a, team starting Nick Mullins that they should beat how they've come out and yeah. perform in that one. Something. And again, we'll dive into the mailbag here in a second, but something that CJ Gardner Johnson is, that, that uh, said that struck me this week, that this guy has been, he, you know, he won uh, four straight division That's titles amazing. in yeah. New Orleans. <laughs> he won a division title last year in Philly. So this is number six for him <laughs> coming up, but you know, he said something to the effect of, um, you know, for a team that has never won, Winning a division title is an important step toward toward winning. Like he says, he's going to cry when they when, yeah. they when they win their first title since '93, even though it's this is something he it's all he knows in the NFL. But that struck me, Ben, because I think it's pretty often in the league where there are levels to winning, and it's hard to go from the very bottom, which obviously the Lions have occupied for forever, to the very top. It usually happens in tiers, and I I, I think that you might see that with this Lions team. You know, They win a division title and make the playoffs. Maybe they even win a playoff game, but when you go up against a team like the 49ers, for example, that has filled a locker room that knows exactly what to expect from playoff football, how that how that goes down, the, the different intensity, the different margins, uh, the pressure, everything else... I do wonder if they're going to, you know, hit their head on the glass ceiling at some point. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it like, like this has been a tremendous step forward. I don't think, I think we, we both thought what they're doing was possible this year, but I don't think anyone thought Lions Super Bowl <laughs> going into the year, not in a realistic sense. Um, it's, there's a lot to feel encouraged about where this rebuild is that they're right on time ahead of time, maybe. Um, but if you're talking about going all the way, the, you know, because of the defense, the lack of playoff experience, some of the key injuries they have, I, I don't know, you know, I, I just don't know if it's in the cards for them to go all the way, but yeah, it's been a hell of a season. No doubt. A, ride. a historic franchise. I mean, a, a banner, potentially banner hanging season. There, there have not been many of those. The, the banners hanging in Fort field are ancient and old and dusty, but like to your point, the parallels I draw the lions closest to around the league is that Jacksonville Jaguars squad. Mm. Like the Jaguars win their division last year. They host a playoff game. They win one, and then they get beat down in the divisional round. I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen here, but that track, like like you said, the tiers to success, the tiers to experience, they're winning a division, that, that's nothing to overlook. That's nothing to scoff at for any team out there. So like, Particularly this one. Particularly like this one. When you one. walk into the team meeting yeah. room and they got the years um, 1993, yeah. 1991, and 1957 painted on the back, and it's not for very good reasons. No. You know, you, you walk into that practice facility, <laughs> it, it's very lonely in the rafters. You walk it's, into Ford Field, there are, there are cobwebs in the rafters of Ford Field. <laughs> <laughs> They'll raise a banner next year. I think we're, we're pretty certain of that, barring just a cataclysmic finish to this season. Um but um, you know, there's still work to be done. All right, let's let's roll into the mailbag. We got so many good questions. Uh, don't want to run out of time. Yeah, 
So let's start with with C.D. Do, C.D. Garner Johnson, whatever the hell you want to call him. Clearly, <laughs> one of the most entertaining human beings in the in the league uh, was voted by players uh, across the league, uh, according to the Athletic, as as the biggest trash talker. And <laughs> as a one year veteran of watching this guy in training camp, I can confirm watching him hassle uh, the was Mick McManus, the kick the, yeah. the kicker from Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, was just a delight. I, I wish I could tell people the things that I heard. It, it, the team rules. Do not allow it, but this dude is yeah. intense. He's funny. He's witty. He he messes with people. And for a team like John Kaminsky said just the other week in Chicago, we got to get our swagger back. We've lost our swagger on defense. We saw a really nice bounce back performance last week. But what this team misses on defense, I mean, it, it's a lot. But uh, aside from talent and and everything else, uh, you know, steady pass rush, cornerbacks <laughs> who have consistent. Like besides all that, like they really do need swagger. They need edge and attitude. And these are things that, you know, that this is what CD do, CJ Gardner Johnson, whatever you want to call them brings. And now he's back. And it's a crazy story, Ben, because like he was given a timetable of six months to come back from the mm-hmm. torn pec that he suffered in week two. First of all, Ben, he played through the pec injury. He had a torn pectoral muscle in week two and he finished That's the game and played pretty well. Um, doctors told him six months to come back. Uh, he is now back on the practice field in just over three months. It's a crazy story. Um, let's get to some questions. <laughs> oh yeah. Mutant genes as uh, Campbell put it. And uh, it's spot on, um, hearing his story about how he came back. is pretty crazy. Like he has a, like he said, 200,000, $300,000, like facility and that he built in his, his home. Uh, pools, spa, you know, spas, massage tables, sixty-yard football field, like you name it, he's got it. And he basically said he went home and just got bored as hell, yeah. uh, staring at the walls, watching TV is boring. It's sad, is what he said. Avoid, yeah, exactly. And he filled it by hitting up his trainer, and be like, "Yo, let's just work." <laughs> and and now he's back. And I don't think. Well, let's just get into some questions because yeah. these questions will answer what we're talking about. <laughs> Chris Matthews asks, is it a real possibility for CD Deuce to play this week or next? And if he does, who sits? Uh, Ify, uh, Melfanwu just played a great game. Branch has played well. Kribi seems to have his position locked down. How do you see CD Deuce fitting into the rotation when he's back? I have a hard time figuring out when that might be. I can pretty safely say it won't be this weekend. That no. would be wild and seems impossible but that's that's a good question i do think it'll be melifonwu like maybe they rotate those guys and try and figure it out and try and like work gardner johnson back in but like as we said too before here like that's not a guy who needs to like come on slowly you know it's a five-year vet that's won five or six division titles now so like get him mm-hmm. out there if he's ready to go get him out there but i do think it'll be for melifonwu but like yeah because the combination of C.D. Deuce and Kirby Joseph is just, I mean, we saw that in training camp. And like th- that's why we felt like this defense could be something. That's why we felt like this defense could create a ton of takeaways and stuff like that. So, like, if you can get those two back out there with Branch in the slot, that's a that's a good deal right there. Yeah, and without C.D. Deuce, who led the league in uh, picks last year, <laughs> the Lions went, I don't know, like two months without getting a, yeah. a, 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 a takeaway from their safety rank. Um, that's just not what you would expect from a – you know, when you bring in a guy like C.D. Deuce and you have a guy coming back like Kirby Joseph, who led the team in picks last year as a rookie. Um, yeah, there's been a drop off there. They haven't got what they expected. Uh, it's going to he's going to play safety when he's ready to. It's going to be mm-hmm. with Kirby Joseph. Uh, but Melifano has played really well. And it's 
listen, it's good to have depth in this league, particularly in the secondary. You can do, you can mix and match and do, do different things. Um, you can play CD deuce in the slot, you know, in different matchup scenarios, um, gives you a lot of flexibility, more depth, more playmaking ability. And again, swagger, man. And that's like, they really do. They don't have, they, they really do lack swagger. They don't have an edge or an attitude on that side of the ball. And they do have good games. They played a great game last week. Um, but they need more and they need attitude. Someone who's going to show his teeth. And that's exactly what CD Deuce does. Uh, Joseph Martin asks, I'm thinking CD Deuce's return likely means Malfano goes back to the bench, <laughs> but with Deuce on just a one-year deal, do you think the Lions would feel good about Iffy and Kirby as the starting safeties in 2024? Or is Iffy likely going to can you, uh, continue as a depth piece? Uh, you know, I, I, I think they would feel all right if they could get a full offseason and training camp of Malafon and Kirby's the safeties back there, but I think they will explore to add. I mean, you have to be deeper. I mean, that's what we're talking about this season. The defensive deficiencies has been lack of depth in the secondary. So get whether it's through the draft, whether you're bringing Gardner Johnson or Deuce back on another one-year deal, bring back depth, but like definitely give Malafon a chance. I think it'll be the last year of his rookie contract. They obviously believe in this guy, the first piece taken in the Stafford trade, a third-round pick in their first draft, like you see it. He looks like a create a prospect guy. It's just all been been about durability for him. So, like, that's what you don't feel good about if those are your top two going into the season. That's why I think it's really important to bring CD back or find another piece to compete for one of those two jobs. I I, I agree. Like, listen, we've we've seen two two solid games from Elfon who yeah. I thought he was partic- particularly good um, last week in the big win and. I just don't think you make long-term decisions based on a two-game or a four-game or a five-game sample size from a guy who's really done nothing before that. And even if Melifanu blew blew up here in the final month or made some like amazing uh, run in the playoffs, I, you, you need depth. You need like there's a reason they brought Deuce in uh, in the first place. It, 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 he's one of the league's best playmakers. He brings tons of edge. He's got flexibility. You can play him. You can play him all over the secondary. Um, it makes too much sense for him to come back. And I actually think if there's one piece of silver lining in the injury, it's that it probably increases the likelihood that he's back next year. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to go back to Philly last off season. Contract negotiations broke down. The Eagles kind of got over being in limbo with him. They had to make moves on other contract situations, including Jalen Hurts, Darius Saleh, and so forth. And so they basically just moved on without him, leaving Deuce kind of to look for his next gig. And so that's a big reason why the Lions landed him in the first place was he kind of just wanted to cash in on a one-year deal, prove this year what he is, and then get that long-term big money deal next offseason. Now that he's had the injury, <clears throat> only played a couple of games, um, we'll see what he does down the stretch. But clearly this has hurt his ability to land that big money long-term deal next offseason. I think it'll suppress the, that you know the, the high-end money that he could have gotten. Otherwise, um, money that might be hard to pay a guy when you still have to pay Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown's going to make a billion dollars next summer. Uh, Panay Sewell is coming down the pipe. Like, I just don't know if, yeah. if Deuce would have been in the cards, but maybe now if they can get, get him on another one term, you know, one year kind of deal as he tries to, you know, prove himself and get that, that uh, high end money. Um, I could definitely see that happening. He's a great fit for the culture. The Lions want him. He's a, he's a great player. Malfano has played well, but that doesn't preclude you from acquiring and keeping yes. other good players. And that's what, Set you up for success in a league where there's a hundred percent injury rate. Yeah, I'm fully on board. I'll just I agree with all that with another one year deal for Deuce to get him back here. The comfort with Campbell, the comfort, the comfort with Glenn. They know who he is. They know what he's about. 
this is a good safety valve spot for him to try and get that long-term deal down the line. If not, find a home somehow, some way. Yeah. Well, like I alluded to, we we had a chance to catch up with the man himself, and we hadn't seen him since the injury. I mean, he's been kind of around Allen Park here and there, um, but he had not been at practice that I had seen until his return uh, from IR this week and had definitely not been in the locker room. You, you would have heard him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> then we spent 15 minutes with the man in a, a scrum. It wasn't a one-on-one situation. It was you know, a group of reporters. Uh, he walks in the locker room. He had a crowd around him within about 30 seconds. Uh, it was a I'm speaking as like an 11, 12 year veteran of the beat, like a historic press, co- like not, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I don't know, session with reporters. Yeah. Uh, I was wildly entertained and it just got more and more entertaining uh, as the beat went on. So let's just roll the tape a little bit. Producer Patrick, good luck with uh, editing this down. Uh, I don't know if we're using a beeper button or not, but you know, if there's kids around, maybe earmuffs because uh, this guy was unfiltered and it was pretty great. So here's CD Deuce, uh, in, you know, making his return um, to practice this week. Truthfully, honestly, I'm just glad to be back in my element. I wouldn't myself been away from balls. So, yeah. You know, being around the guys, seeing them win, it's been keeping me up. Makes sense. How quickly do you think you can kind of get your football legs back under you? And... I mean, I'm always in shape. I played football year round. I was just in the Super Bowl, so I really ain't sit down since February. So. I'll be fine. Can you take us through the emotions of what you know the past three months has been like? I mean, to have that happen. Lonely, lonely, dark, no ball. Um, just glad to be around my boys. You know, you know, it's just it's different when you ain't got the things that you're accustomed to. Waking up every morning means I have to do a whole different routine. So I think shout out to Reef, shout out to Mike them, helped me get back faster. Cause it was a six months, six months. That's what they said. So, that's what they told you. Yeah. So how'd you do it? What's the key? God, eat right, two a days. I probably said more dark days than good days. Really? That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. What? Why? What, what, what was the... I'm by myself. What you yeah. think? I'm an athlete. Everybody expects everybody, everything to be fine and dandy, but shit, you take football away, what you gonna do? It's our life. So, I mean, just being around the atmosphere and seeing my guys happy and winning, it make me happy, you know? How much happier does it be, make you feel to come back to a, a team that's 10 and 4? I'm trying to go for that once. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel, truthfully. When did the, the dark days sort of disappear in this group? When did they oh, when did you realize, like, man, I'm going to be back now? You know, that it's, it's, I got over the dark days and I realized there's some, some brighter days ahead. Excuse my language. I'm going to be all the way thorough. I think when we lost to Chicago, that's when I knew something was wrong. I can't tell you what's going on offense, defense, because I was away, but I knew something was wrong. Energy wasn't the same. So I feel like I just got to come back. That's when you sort of realize I can be back. I'm kicking weeks. it in, but yeah. I'm in high gear now. So. Was it ever on your mind that you might not play again this season, or was that yeah. not even something that was on it? Yeah, they, when they first told me, I told them to pick. But I played a whole game with one on, so I mean, it don't really matter to me. He told me I'm out for a whole year. That's like, can't get kicked anymore when you know. When you hear that though, does that drive you to an extent to, yeah, to about, get back fast? Yeah, I think what I've been going through. I had a rough offseason, lost Super Bowl, just lost one of my brothers. So, yeah, I think about the ball got to way quick. So, I had to really like think about life and who I was. I think that's why I'm back so quick because of God, you know? You, was there any, I mean, you are a free agent. There is maybe a little bit of risk in coming back. I ain't worried about that, bro. You got to think about it. I'm what, five years, 13? I'm tripping on that. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, 
Everybody know what I can do. At this point in life, ain't no more proving who Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is. Can he play safety? Can he play this? Is he a team player? Y'all know. Y'all write more good articles than bad now, so let's just call it what it is. What was your rehab like? Like, What was a day in the life like for Wake you? up at 7, I probably ain't done like 9 o'clock at night. I feel like it was a void and something. Like I was trying to find something this whole time, but I think I found it here by just being here, just being in the building, just being with my teammates. When you were away, it was just work. That was the whole feeling. Work, boring, sad. Y'all think, well, it's boring as hell yelling at that TV, bro. <laughs> Y'all think, well, it's boring yelling at that TV, but I get to yell with them now, so, you know, hopefully put on the shirt this weekend. Plenty of yelling in the in practice today? All day. <laughs> All day. That's just me. I mean, when coach is telling you contagious, and it's not just being a football player, it's being a player and a person. I think the joy I bring to myself, I think I should be able to spread it out of this locker room. Everybody smile and just understand that you don't get this opportunity to actually come back and help a team to make a run. So I'm happy. I should be happy. How'd you play through it? That's, you know. How do I play through yeah, it? I'm tell you how I play game. through it. I'm a dog. I don't think I don't think there's no safety better than me right now. That's why. I feel like I'm the best safety, so I gotta go out there and prove it. That's why I did it. And physically against Seattle, though, you couldn't lift that arm? I mean, what was what? No. God. Yeah. I was willing to hype y'all up. So, I, mean, I was going to say, if uh, God's helping you like that, would you please say a prayer for all of us? <laughs> yeah, I can, man. All I said, I pray every night about this situation because it could happen again, you know? So I don't wish injury on nobody, though. And I ain't never had a serious, serious injury, but God willing, I'm glad like it wasn't too much to take me down. Uh, it's one of those moments, like I said, it's a learning experience. You learn who you is, you got to humble up. Because, like I told myself, this team is damn good without me, and they're damn good with me. And I'm just glad to be a part of something that's just thriving. That makes sense. You seem like you're you, CJ, but you just talked about being grateful that yeah. it happened again. Do you have a new mindset? I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared, but it's like, I've been doing this since I was a kid, so I got to face my fear of something by just going out there and do what I love. So I think. That was the, I think it's the biggest thing right now, just facing my fear, messing up again, that's all. Fear of re-injuring it or fear of? Messing up, injury, letting you guys down. Everything on your shoulders when you up here, and then when you're down here, all the shoulders just gone. So I feel like being back, I just want to make my teammates proud. I don't really care about nobody else. As long as they know I'm the same person before I left, be good. You guys feel like you're a threat in the playoffs? That's the dumbest question. You know we're a threat. <laughs> Come on, man. I say, I took up what Frank said. Commish, I think Frank said we lost our swagger for a couple games. Man, lose our swagger, we just got a young team. When you ain't never win so much, it's hard to keep your thoughts all in one box. So I think, Coach Down would say we have been hunted. I don't think we have been hunted. We hunting that swag still. We still hunting for what's ours. And I don't think a lot of guys understand you're in a position right now, you can change your life. You know, you're fighting for seeds that you ain't never seen before. Like, some guys have, some guys haven't. But I think right now, it's coming tighter, tune out the noise. We got called the Kool-Aid we be drinking, man. Put that <laughs> down. <laughs> just keep playing ball. Excuse my language, but it's just understanding, like, this team got a chance to change the city history and just change their history, their names, and last name. You are one of the guys who's, who's seen that seed. So what does it take to get there? What does it mean when you do get there? We got to trust each other. And trust the coaches, and coach got the coach got to trust us, which you guys know is not, it hasn't been. You can see it. Coaches trust us, we trust the players. It's evident. 
everybody think we one of those teams that's we shouldn't be ten and ten and four, but if we if we would we shouldn't be we, we wouldn't be here right now. So I think the best opportunity for us right now, I understand coaching. Take the small things and keep going because the big things not gonna really affect you. The smaller things will hurt you in the home run. You mentioned this team going out and putting on a show this weekend. If you guys do that, this team will win the division for the first time since 1993. I might cry. <laughs> I might cry. What did it mean to you? I mean, to you gotta think about it. A lot of you guys, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but a lot of them haven't experienced the conference champion. You know? So this is a step of feeling like a winner. You haven't won anything. Like it's my fifth year. I don't won four divisions. No, not to throw nobody's face, but that's the best feeling. You can. Home field advantage, so you guys can enjoy it. it ain't for us; it's for you guys to enjoy it to help us win. Well, what did when the trainer told you that game that it was torn? Tell me what went through your mind. What and why you? Man, we're gonna finish this game. Yeah. If we win, or we lose. They gonna know that I'm a dog, regardless if I tore it, broke it. I just want everybody to know I'm the same person. Broke arm, healed arm, whatever. Whatever it's gonna be, I'm out there. I'm talking, talking the most. Shit and still have respect. Cause everybody thought we were gonna be shitty this year. I look at my comments every day from my first sign. Enjoy being a five win team, three win team, four win team. That's some better ego fans. <laughs> That's how I am right now, but I'm, I'm still on my cocky, arrogant That shit ain't going nowhere. I just toned it back though. I read the Bible too. Make sure y'all put that in there too. <laughs> I do. You saw the players voted you biggest trash talker. That surprised you. They can't a little with me. <laughs> yeah, I think about it. you trash talking. You ain't backing it up. That's different. That's different. What y'all seen on camp? Back to them. Right. I played the game one arm, right? Yeah. Right. T.J. Watt exited the game with his, with his pet. Who else tore a peck and left the game? J.J. Keep going. He's the biggest names in football. Yeah. How important was it for you to finish that game? Very important. I talk all that shit, I gotta back it up. <laughs> Can't, oh, hype the crowd up and, oh, you hurt? Mm, you a buster. Heard that song by 50 Cent? You say you a gangster, but you never a pop, none. You know what I'm saying? That's on all time. They call it Wangster? Yeah, yeah Wangster. Can't be no Wangster like that, boy. Yeah. That was the, uh, that was the face mask. You heard the face mask back when you come back? Bro, I ain't gonna count. I think that shit cursed. <laughs> 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 I ain't gonna lie to y'all, bro. I think we, I ain't gonna lie. I don't know. I might bring it back for my purpose. Tired. Y'all, oh, no, Y'all bless it up, bro. I want to know this serious question. I got this serious, serious question. I got this serious question. Why y'all so like... How can I say it? Why y'all so outgoing? I want to ask one of y'all a question. Why y'all media so outgoing in Detroit? Are other media's not like this? Hell f no. <laughs> what are they like? Listen, I don't want to get quoted for saying thing about where I was at before. <laughs> but I was on Twitch and said one wrong thing. I know y'all seen it. Yeah, they blew that shit up. So, no, y'all more like accepting. Y'all don't like look for no stories. Y'all look for like right stuff. I with you guys. I with you. <laughs> are you not entertained such a treat. are you not entertained <laughs> such a treat. oh my god like the nfl is just so big like you, there's so much money and so many eyes all the time you really you like there's so many guys who are just scared of showing their true selves and i really do understand it because you say the wrong thing mm -hmm. one time 
blows up on social media. Like you're that guy forever. Like I, I, I totally understand why guys are more buttoned up these days than they used to be in the past. But <laughs> to see an authentic personality like that, a guy who just brings it is unafraid to be his authentic self. I, I that that is infectious. Yeah, he's got a little Dan Campbell in him too because he's incapable of lying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. There's some things that, like he definitely said at one point that he starts his rehab at seven in the morning, finishes at nine at night. Um, I believe, and him. goes to bed at, <laughs> and goes to bed at five a.m. That I mean, that, that's what he said. That's what he said. So, you know, I saw that gaming was, system he bought. I believe yeah. him. <laughs> it sounds like a little envy there, Ben. It was. <laughs> <laughs> he also said he made three hundred and fifty songs. By the way, I don't know if that actually made the cut that Patrick played, but man, oh, it, that's, it, okay. he, that's right. He was clearly a busy, busy man. <laughs> Um, I, welcome, welcome back, CD. We, we missed you. All right, we got more questions upcoming on the playoffs. Uh, uh Jared Goff, Hen Hooker, some good stuff. So let's keep yep. rolling. Um, so Jillian Van Strat, a colleague of ours, shout out Jillian. Uh, she hit up the our, our, our subtext, which is how we uh, take all these questions these days. Go to M Live, any line story, you'll see promotions for it. Uh, get with us on on that. Um, Jillian asks, uh, wasn't it actually better for the Lions if Philly lost last weekend? I know people were ready uh, for them to clinch the playoffs that night, but it was actually the outcome the Lions wanted, right? I mean, yeah, in terms of getting a better seed, for sure. But I will just say this. It's the Lions. This fan base has been waiting for this to crumble all year, like certain sections of it. So I think like there's just that portion of the fan base, like just get it done, just get in, just like clinch it immediately. But like, yes, in the long term, in the short term, Philly losing was better for the Lions, potentially getting a better matchup and more home playoff games. I think Jillian is absolutely right. There's there's no doubt about it. And I saw some hand-wringing on Twitter um, <laughs> in the brief moments I spend there nowadays. <laughs> um, that place has gone downhill. Um, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I get it. You haven't been to the playoffs since 2016. You're ready just to get it over with. I, I totally get it. But like you are going to the playoffs. This is it's more than 99%. They could lose out and still very, 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 very likely make the playoffs. Like, and this is a team going back to locker cleanout day last year. That they weren't talking about, oh, we just missed the playoffs by one game. Let's get into the playoffs next year. Every person I talked to, Alex Anzalone, I'm on Ross St. Brown, uh, I don't know, Khalif Raymond, Dan Campbell, uh, Ben Johnson, like they weren't all like like Ben Johnson's not like, yeah, I'm gonna turn down a $40 million deal to be a head coach in the league to come back and make the playoffs. Like that's not the goal. The goal is to win the division. The goal is to host a playoff game. The goal is to advance in the postseason. I mean, obviously the ultimate goal is to make the Super Bowl. And even if that is a outsized expectation or, or hope, like you have a three game lead in the division, you, you absolutely should win the division. And so mm -hmm. like when you're talking in note in, in that scenario, yeah, like, like Philly, losing that game it delays your you punching your ticket to the postseason and you know for a few days basically <laughs> but ultimately it helps your ability to land the best seed possible to to not maybe maybe not even host a playoff game of Ford field but maybe two like you wouldn't have to go anywhere in their side of the bracket unless san francisco um you know unless san francisco won out and then you'd have to go out there but um like there's no doubt in my mind that the best outcome for the lions um happened in that game yeah, I think people were just having fun with the fact that it was a fact that it was a map <laughs> defense keeping them out of the playoffs, which dagger time, baby. 
there was definitely some poetic symmetry uh, happening to that. There was a lot of Matt Patricia camera time uh, in that game. Awesome. Uh, it was made me a little uncomfortable as a veteran of the Patricia. Years. It is jarring. It's still jarring. It's like, oh my god, that was my life. Some some dark days. Fans only know the the, the surface of it. My, my goodness. Um, those are stories for a different day. Yeah. These are good times. Let's not go down the Matt Patricia wormhole because we could do we could do hours of tape on that. Let's let's not do it. Uh, Chris Frick uh, asks, I see a scenario where the Lions end up hosting the Rams in the opening round, which would mean Matthew Stafford uh, returns to where it all began. What thoughts or concerns would you have and how do you see the crowd reacting to him? So first, the Lions right now, as of today, as we sit here, are the number three seed in the NFC. Um, if everything held as of today, they would host the Vikings in the first round. But there's a pool of, candid- uh, of wild card uh, uh, hopefuls um, that are super close to each other and the Lions could absolutely play the Rams. Um, that would be for me selfishly, it's this just a selfish bastard that I am. I would just love to see it. Like just the storylines write themselves. Like Matthew Stafford making his first return to Ford Field, where he became the greatest quarterback in the modern history of the franchise. <laughs> of course, didn't have the team success everyone wanted. It was super polarizing because of it. Eventually gets shipped out of town, goes and wins a Super Bowl, and then comes back to play the first home Lions playoff game ever in Ford Field for the opposing team. Meanwhile, the Lions start Jared Goff, who was Aaron unceremoniously uh, shipped out of town in LA and has risen from the ashes in Detroit and then gets to take on his old team, his, his old coach, Sean McVay, who had a real falling out with at one point um, with a, you know, a chance to win the first Lions playoff game since 91. I mean, it's a, like the storylines are juicy as hell. I don't think we can properly explain how badly we would want that to happen. <laughs> like you just did your best. And I'm like, no, I want it more. Yeah. Like, seriously, there are storylines everywhere. Matthew Stafford getting his first playoff game at Ford field as an opposing quarterback. Like just, just <laughs> like what? Come on. Give me that. Like you just said, God Holmes versus Sneed. like down the line. Like seriously, like the, the this franchise has been mirrored in kind of ways of the, how the Rams built their thing. Not every way, but like, it's just, I want that to happen. I, I think fans, I don't think fans are going to boo Matthew Stafford, but it's a playoff game. So once those whistles start blowing, they're going to boo him. But like, I think pregame like that with one guy, maybe you'd see some. Now here's what I'm curious about. How many Detroit Rams shirt would you see from that set? Well, <laughs> what I was going to ask you is, I mean, we st- I think Stafford jerseys are still like number one, number two, number three. Field with like Aiden Hutchinson, probably yeah, you see a lot more golfs these days, St. Brown's. But like Stafford might be number one, number two, number two, certainly. Absolutely. And so like what happens to all the Stafford jerseys? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Listen, yeah, well. like, he, <laughs> listen, here, here's what I would say. He's not getting booed. He No. For as polarizing as he was in the media and with some media in particular, <laughs> not, you know, not us, but right. others. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a polarizing guy for some. Turn on the talk radio, you'll hear it. But like he really like but then you go to the games and he's and he's adored. And uh when I was at that the the Lions Rams game uh, out west, yeah. like the number of like Stafford Lions jerseys you saw out there, like uh, we we saw the whole like Stafford Rams the Lions thing when he was going to the Super Bowl. Like clearly, he's a beloved figure in this fan base in town. Like he's not he's not getting booed, but I think fans would really relish the opportunity to beat him to in the playoffs and yeah, you know, get that a lot that elusive uh, 
playoff win against the guy who couldn't get it done for them. And it would be the most passive aggressive Jared Goff week of all time. So oh, it would man. be great. <laughs> Can you imagine how bad Stafford will be that week to talk to? A nightmare. <laughs> Just like he will say nothing. <laughs> it was um, like a chat GPT response. <laughs> all right, let's move along. Michael Berry Sr. wants to know, I have been a loyal um waiting since 57 fan for 66 <laughs> years and i can't believe all the negativity groaning and doubting going on the last few weeks especially considering the success and excitement of the last two years and with what seems to be sustainable winning i can't even remember it being more exciting as a lions fan than right now with the future to look forward to can't we all just enjoy the ride without <laughs> the gotta have it all right now mentality can't we all remember what our goals were as lions fans last year at this time or the beginning of training camp or the start of the season then i think michael's question is phenomenal mm-hmm. phenomenally worded i i think it really drives at the heart of a rebuild ch- changing expectations what is success like some of these questions that get to the heart of what we're seeing now what are your thoughts on um michael's question I kind of spoke to the people thinking opposite of this after the end of last week's game over the Broncos was like, man, put it in perspective. The Lions have 10 wins this season. They're one win from a division title. First time in 30 years. But like it took until week 15 of year three on the beat for me to cover my 10th win by this franchise. Like that was two years ago. (laughs) Like this has happened so fast. Like truly, this was a one in six team at the midway point last year. Like this is not like this is not. This has happened unbelievably fast, and they have built something that you can believe in the long-term sustained winning. So I do think the negativity and the groaning is fair when it's directed at the problems on the field, but like you do need to look at the personnel holes. You do need to look at the holes because this is still, believe it or not, in the big first phase of the rebuild. This is ahead of schedule. Every step of the every meaning of that word, this is ahead of schedule with where they are right now. I mean, my God, they have 10 wins and there's three games left, man. Yeah. This is the Detroit Lions. Like this is so yeah, I I I hear you, Michael Berry Sr. I'm I'm with you. You know, it's fair to gripe about like the short term stuff, but like this is this it, there's reason to believe in this being a long-term winner. And this has been a truly, truly special season for this franchise in the city, which has been beaten down with a rough, rough stretch of just disastrous play <laughs> of all sports. <laughs> as, as we've written and talked about going back to, to January, um, clearly there was a window opening in, in uh, the NFC North with Aaron Rodgers leaving the division, the lions who were a young team that was playing really well, who had a ton of draft capital, ton of cap space clearly looked like the team most capable of jumping uh, through that, that, that window of opportunity. Right. And now we've seen it. They, they are one, they are four quarters of winning football away from uh, uh, winning the division. Uh, Michael is totally right. That, while you are jumping through that that window right now, like your best days are probably ahead of you. As yeah. crazy as the thing, they are one of the five youngest teams in the league that have um, still um, tremendous amount of resources in terms of uh, financial flexibility going forward. They have a ton of guys. Like basically, the entire core is locked up beyond this year. Um, it, better days are, are are ahead yet. I don't think that's mutually exclusive from looking at a team that's really good right now. Uh, particularly on offense, particularly on the offensive line, particularly with that that running game, and when you get to the playoffs, you you usually need a, a running game to be able to, to to win these close games. It was hard for me to watch this team go four and three 
out of the bye and really struggle in basically all those wins um, and not think they were squandering an opportunity by by not playing their best football. And I think that's where, for me, my own personal concern and consternation came from. And that's not mutually exclusive from the fact that, hey, like yeah. they're still like ahead, they're ahead of time in terms of the rebuild and their best days are ahead. Still in the moment, like this opportunity, like you're not going to have – I mean, who are they, who are the Vikings starting this week at quarterback? Nick Mullins. You're not going to have Nick Mullins starting like late last, you know, final month of the season, playoff type games with huge implications for the division every year. I mean, look around like the NFC uh, East is a bloodbath. Like you don't know what's going to happen from year to year. Like they, the Lions' opportunity to to clinch this yeah. thing, uh, to make hay in the the playoffs, to to bring playoffs to to Ford Field, two playoff games to Ford Field is now and when they started playing bad football even in their wins um that's where my personal concern came from even with you know some of the green grass they had of they have ahead of them going yeah. into 2024 absolutely and it was like the jared goff spike in turnovers because it was like oh god i see like flashes of like 2021 coming here so like the short-term concern absolutely and like yeah they were not this is a good team it's okay to expect stuff out of this team but it is important to remember how fast this has happened and like you said that on paper there are brighter days ahead. Eric, so speaking of 2024, <laughs> um, Eric W. asks, do you think the Lions re-sign Goff uh, in the offseason or keep their options open to see what they have in Hennon Hooker? It seems like Goff is very good when behind an elite line, but bottom tier in the league uh, when not due to injuries. Great quarterbacks make time in the pocket with their pocket presence and feet. This seems like a liability for Goff as we play better teams in the playoffs. Thoughts on on golf in the present and future. I do think golf will be re-signed this offseason. I don't I don't like we've said, I think getting him in the two or three year extension range would be perfect. Not just for Hendon Hooker, but just to also keep your window open and to keep that pay like it's gonna be a big contract. Whether it's one year, two years, three years, it's gonna be a massive contract. You can thank Daniel Jones's agent for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but yeah I, I do think like this is a team that's entered their win now window. They're not going to jump off of Goff, the guy who is, like it or not, kind of taking them this far because when they've played their worst ball is when he's played his worst ball this season. So I, I do think they re-signed Goff this offseason. I think it happens. I think I think it's like 60-40 they sign him to a new deal. I think it's more likely than not. Yeah. But I think that, like, listen, they didn't spend a seventh-round pick on Hooker. It was a third-round pick. Like, that's a, that's a significant investment, and clearly they think he's going to be part of their future in some capacity. Clearly, Hennon Hooker's not playing football this year for the Lions. Probably not next year if, you know, like health maintains and everything. Um, but when you talk about the future of this team, you know, I, I think they're trying to leave their options open as any team that's trying to build sustainable, sustainable winning does in this league. I mean, when you have a Brock Purdy, it opens up all of your options because not only do you have quality quarterback play, but you have $45 million a year to spend around him. Um, and I think all things being equal, like, listen, like Brad Holmes, what he said last year is totally right. It's a lot easier to get worse at that position than better when you have a guy like Jared Goff. And I think they are invested in him for the, obviously for the now, obviously for next year, um, you can win with Jared Goff. You just have to build a lot around him. And with the escalating costs in his new deal, it's going to be in the $45 million per year range. It's going to limit what you can do elsewhere on the roster. You still have to sign Amon Ra to a billion dollar deal. I mean, he might make 20 million a, a year in his new deal or, or somewhere in that range. Um, Pene Sewell is coming down the pipe. Uh, you know, 
don't look now, but Taylor Decker, I think next year's his contract year at left tackle. Left tackles are very expensive. Or you're going to spend a first round pick on a new guy. Like that's significant capital that's going to be outlaid soon too. So yep. I they love Jared Goff. Uh, he's here for the present. He's here for 2024 at least. Um, mm-hmm. You can win with that guy. And they've clearly built an offense, a, a, a structure around him that can lead to that kind of success when everything is right. But having an out... If Hennon Hooker becomes the guy who's at Tennessee just destroying folks uh, and you're able to get out from that contract of golf in 2025 or or 2026, mm-hmm. whatever it is, it opens up the world to you. And I think that's that's a lottery ticket the line spot. Absolutely. I mean, I, we're in agreement on that. Like if you can get golf two years, maybe an out on after that third or second year, that's a winner across the board. Justin Daniels wants to know, with Ben Johnson almost certainly leaving for a head coaching job, do you guys have a read on any current coaches that could be his successor, or is that person maybe not on the staff right now? What are your thoughts? The two internal candidates that come to mind are Scotty Montgomery, obviously, and I think Tanner Ingstrom has kind of followed the Ben Johnson path. But like Dan, Dan has shown that he's not afraid to go outside of his coaching tree for a coordinator either. So like, just wait and see. Like uh, Frank Reich is an interesting thought, just based on how mm-hmm. those guys interacted at joint practices. I mean, that's a guy that that's. That's a that's a head coach that's had some success in this league, some recent success. So like, yeah, those are the two internal guys. And but yeah, he he showed that he's not afraid to go outside his circle. The Lions seem to have a thing for former Lions players on their coaching staff too. Yeah, Craig Reich played a season I or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, listen, like the Lions are ten and four. They're one of the hottest rebuilds in the team. They have, um, I mean, their their best years are probably ahead of them. Uh, and they have a, a good quarterback, a phenomenal offensive line, a, a really good running back tandem, one of the best slot receivers in the league. Like this is going to be a very attractive job uh, if slash obviously when Ben Johnson leaves. <laughs> Um, yeah. so it behooves Dan Campbell to explore his options externally. And I think Frank Reich is a great name to consider. Um, maybe he goes a different direction. I don't know. You know, I mean, Ben Johnson was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 I thought Anthony Lynn was something of a surprise before that. So, you know, we'll see what Dan Campbell does. Um, but in terms of internal candidates, I think Angstrom would be a candidate. Yeah. I think Scotty Montgomery would be the 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 preferred choice he's almost it feels to me a little bit like he's being groomed for that you know he's an assistant head coach here he's not just a running backs coach he's had coordinator responsibilities before he's been a head coach at the college level he's been very plain even the day we we met him after the hire he's like yeah i want to be a coordinator and i want to be a head coach and i think those developmental opportunities are why the lines were able to land him in the first place because he was a very attractive candidate um last offseason so you never know and ingstrom obviously uh you know he's he's been super close with with Ben Johnson. I just think that if I were to go with a hunch, if it was an internal candidate, I think it would be Scotty Montgomery. Yeah, and like like we alluded to, it's an attractive job. It's a very attractive job, especially if the guy who you're replacing just got a head coaching job. Yeah, uh, Aaron from Novato, California. I always like it when guys put the yeah um, exactly. just, just to see all the places we get questions from. It's pretty cool. Uh, Aaron wants to know. Um, you mean you haven't seen a 35 to 85 percent increase in questions? Um, maybe, maybe we have. Um, <laughs> can you clarify the kicker situation from a roster g- gymnastics standpoint? Uh, at some point, isn't Michael Badgley going to run out of practice squad elevations and they will have to create a roster spot for him that's currently being used for depth? Uh, the question goes on, but we're running short on time. Um, basically what's going on is the Lions cut their kicker this week, Riley Patterson. They're going with Michael Badgley, who started for them last week, 
uh, as a practice squad elevation. He has two elevations yeah. left. There's obviously three games left uh, in the season. Plus, there's the playoffs. I'm not even really sure how the elevations work in the playoffs, to be honest with you. I'm not the lion. So, you know, I haven't had to deal with that. <laughs> I, I truly don't know the rule. Um, but uh, to, to, to the questioner's point, Yes, they're going to run at the elevations right now. They're they're rostering the kicker on the on the on the practice squad, which is a neat little trick because it allows them to activate Hendon Hooker and keep the same number of players uh, on the fifty three man roster that they would have otherwise with you know carrying a proper kicker on the fifty three. Um, so it's a nice little trick they're doing, but it has a, sh- a shelf life. And yeah. it, it, at some point before the season finale, we're going to have to see Badgley move to the fifty three, which then will in turn. Um, they're going to have to cut somebody off the 53. So your, your thoughts on what they're doing there, I guess. Uh, I've kind of been waiting for this to happen for quite some time. Uh, I didn't like when they went with Patterson before the season. I didn't like what I saw throughout the season. And I think that they're going with a kicker that gives them a little more of a, a ceiling in terms of range and consistency. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Patterson is basically automatic from, I don't know, 45 in, uh, 40 in or whatever. And, uh, they, preferred that reliability over uh, maybe some more inconsistencies elsewhere. Um, and then once Patterson became unreliable yeah. from that distance, yeah. <laughs> there was no really no use. And I, I like the kid, um, but um, Badgley is better, I just think, and has more distance. And when you go into the playoffs, but again, the margins are slim. It's different. It's a different game. Uh, you need to be able to score. You need to have more reliability in the kicking game. I think they might have the worst, the worst situation going into the playoffs uh, at that position. Uh, we are literally running against the clock. We got Aaron Glenn coming through uh, five feet away from us as we speak, going to his press conference. So maybe we should wrap this up. <laughs> oh. <laughs>